This is Coobs, and you guys are listening to Three Night Bender. And it's been a while, but we're back here at Three Night Bender. I am Hauser, sitting next to the Booze Man, Boozos. What's good? We are uh, here discussing all things related to Orlando, mostly focusing on UCF football. We've got a lot of UCF football news. We we haven't talked about uh, the team in about three weeks now, so we've it's been a hot second. We missed quite a few games. I think the last uh, we talked last time was the Houston game, and we like got up to that point. So we didn't get to talk about the aftermath of Houston Yep. or Tulane. I traveled to Houston. Yes, you did. Had a good time. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Temple. So we got some, We got quite Temple a few games to talk about. Tulane. Uh, we're actually going to have a former UCF football player on today, Michael Kalubiali. Yes. Who has a sexy name. He really does. I don't How know. old is he now? Isn't he like 60? <laughs> he's, been, he's been in football for a while. I think technically he's younger than both of us by quite a bit. Probably. But. I would imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're also going to talk about the magic. They had some big news here with the draft this week. Um, and what else do we got here? We've got some, uh, some holiday things. Yeah. So the Thanksgiving list we'll put out before Thanksgiving, just in case we don't get back in time to record something (laughs) else before then, which seems likely with our, with our schedule nowadays. But, um, yeah, COVID kind of ruins everything and work. We're, we're, we're essential workers. So we we will be talking a little bit about work tonight too. Yeah. In in the most positive of ways. I'm really excited to discuss this. (laughs) So let's kick it off. We got UCF football. Yeah. Let's, uh, I guess let's first start with the, the game we left off on. We, we talked a little bit about Houston coming out into the game. We hinted that there was some uh, player issues before the game actually took place, and mm-hmm. that was broke, that was breaking news from the dungeon that you that you gave out. Yeah, you know, if you're if you want to get the latest UCF football news, you can either listen here or you can go to the source and become a <laughs> member of the dungeon. You're just hearing things that I read on the dungeon that I regurgitate here. So you can, which huge plug to the dungeon. I think is Brandon Helwig is the one that runs that, right? Yeah. He's amazing. He really is super knowledgeable. A lot of really good information that comes through the pipeline first on the dungeon. Like you, we hear, we read recording, uh, recruiting news. We read about transfers and obviously this situation with, you know, players getting in trouble with the law before like days before it even hits the news. Yeah. So a lot of really good insider information. It's like what, a hundred dollars for the year or something like that. That's what it is. And usually when you sign up, there was uh, I think there was some kind of promotion when I signed up where it was, you could get a hundred dollars worth of fanatic gear. Yeah. Something like that. So it was like, it was basically a wash if you wanted some yeah. fanatic gear and who doesn't want that? So. No, it's, it was totally cool. I mean, and I, I like it. It's a good way to get some good stuff. So whenever, if you ever listen to this episode, all like five of you and you're like, Oh wow, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. We heard it from the dungeon first. We're just relaying you information. Yeah. Probably should pay like Brandon a little bit more because we're taking all that out and he's yeah. not getting more, you know, yeah. subscribers. But we'll wait for a letter from his lawyer. Yeah. First. Okay. Um, anyway, Houston game went actually really, really well. We were a little worried going in that it might be close. That um, you know, because these players had this little run in with the law, that we would actually be hurt on defense. But quite the opposite thing happened. I, our our backups really stepped up, um, especially on defense. Yeah, that's I a, was pleasantly surprised right i think everybody was uh not expecting that to happen with some of the big names that were missing and we we won't dwell on any of those they were uh 
they were a part of UCF football. They're not now. I don't know what their path is, but we wish them the best. And maybe we'll see them in the future. Maybe we won't. But our team now is clicking a little better with, with our defensive line, our defensive, yeah. uh, you know, our, our linebackers look good. We just, we had an all out really good defensive game against Houston. I, I completely agree. I think that this should be a good testament to the coaches recruiting. You know, they, they got a lot of really good young bodies. You know, we knew going into the season that the defensive line was going to be a little light in the ass, um, to say the least. And, you know, we, we only really played two linebackers down at any given time. We knew that we were going to have problems in the secondary because it was very young. And obviously, we had a player opt out. You got Brandon Moore still coming back from injury, transfers that weren't being approved to actually play yet. So we were worried about the secondary, but those kids are stepping up. We got that one player from Georgia. Um, Jadeus Creedle, or was that him? Or no, that no, it was, it was it was Devad, um, Devad Wilson. Yeah, like you know, okay. he he was cleared to play. Obviously, Brandon Moore's been practicing with the practice squad and is getting back to actually getting into like you know full game action. So our secondary will be strong again. But I, the young guys just really proved that they can play football and that this coaching staff did a good job. Like this is the first wave of true talent coming from um, Coach Heupel. Right. Obviously, we had quite a bit of kids that were left over from the Frost recruiting process. So we're starting to see, like, you know, the fruit of his recruiting labors and pretty excited to see that talent develop because it looks really good. Yeah. No, I mean, and the Houston game, again, was – I was there. I was in the front row. It oh, yeah. Was, it was a beatdown. 44-21. Yeah. It wasn't I, even close. And, I mean, I, I drank probably 40 beers while I was there. It was an awesome time. <laughs> yeah, we can, we'll talk a little bit more about that later <laughs> and, and some conversations you had. And then yeah. we follow up that game with a game against Temple. Yep. That also never felt like it was close. I was kind of, I don't want to say disappointed in the second half. Like we, it's like we, you know, blew our load early. Like you know, we got it was it was first quarter straight domination, three turnovers and three possessions for ten, for Temple. Our offense just never felt like they got started. It, right. it just felt very slow offensively. But our defense again played phenomenally. They played unified. A lot of turnovers, a lot of good stops. It, again, a, never a contest from top to bottom. Thirty-eight to thirteen victory there. Yeah. So, I mean, that was about what was predicted. I think we were predicted to win by 29. So we were right in the, the ballpark of what the experts thought. Mm-hmm. Um, was it last week that we played? Not last week. No, no. Week last before? week was by. No, that was actually before Houston. Okay. We were talking about a little bit earlier. What about um, Tulane? We also that's what that was. That was before in Houston. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So Temple was the last game. The, the problem with Temple is I think we shot out to, what was it, a 21 nothing lead in the yep. first quarter. And then, like you said, just nothing. stopped. I mean, yeah. And then the second half, we started, you know, we did start to put in some backups, which we haven't seen much of that this year because the games have either been close or, you know, or sloppy. Exactly. But we did get a chance to, um, you know, put in uh, the guy out of Jones, Quincy or not Quincy. uh, I'm sorry. uh, I know you're talking about uh, uh, Quandry Jones. Quandry Jones. Yeah. Yeah. So we did get to look at him. We've heard some good things about him, but we didn't really take the the chain. Did you see his tweet? No. After he, he tweeted like like the, like the laughing emojis and was like, I'm, I was just glad to be on the field. Yeah. <laughs> so like handing off the ball, you know, mm-hmm. nothing exciting. He had some good runs though. Like, you know, he, he obviously he's when he played at Jones, he was known as like a scrambling quarterback and you got to see him use his athleticism that we knew he had. I mean, we were going to use him as a receiver until we kept him at quarterback. So, yeah, well, and, and he's our number two guy. You know, the other guy who's on the fence who is cleared to practice uh every game though he comes out without pads on and it's kind of what we expect is yeah, uh mckenzie milton our lost superstar mckenzie milton and we also know dj mack made his announcement of transferring and, and we knew that was coming but about time um you know we wish him the best and wherever Absolutely. he goes we'll be a fan for I, sure i think he could definitely be a good player at, a, at, a, at either a low power five school or obviously he can probably start at any group of five school he wanted to go to um but i definitely think he could 
I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at Nebraska. I mean, he was a a, a frost kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of talk about um, KZ possibly transferring at, at the end of this season, which as much as it would break all of our hearts, I think is inevitable at this point, especially if he comes back. He's not going to unseat Gabriel. Gabriel is going to rewrite all of UCF's passing records. Like, If we had a full season, I think we talked about this before the Houston game, Dylan Gabriel would be setting national records this season with the pace he's playing with, right. let alone the fact that we're going to be like four games short of a normal season. Yeah, and that's that's disheartening to know that we've only got two games left this year. It feels yeah. like we just kind of started, and and it's, uh, it's already over. Uh, some news that I also read on the dungeon and uh, verified it was that Mackenzie Milton has a Twitter again. He does. He has not had a Twitter since high school. He just Correct. started it back up. He's following 10 people right now. And you know who two of them are from? Ole Miss. That is right. All Jeff right. Lebby and the offensive line analyst. Um, I don't remember his name. I, I was just texting somebody about it this morning, but yeah, two Ole Miss players. And not surprising though. I mean, he had a great relationship with um, Jeff Lebby, who I believe wasn't Jeff Lebby also the quarterback's coach yes. on top of being the offensive coordinator. So that's unsurprising. He helps recruit McKenzie here to UCF. He calls all the plays for UCF or call, you know, assists in calling the plays with Frost for two years. So not surprising he's following him. I mean, that could be coincidental. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Ole Miss needs a quarterback. Have you have you watched them play this year? They're not very impressive. Really? Yeah. I thought they were running uh, UCF's defense and they were putting some points on the board. Is that not <laughs> is that not Ole Miss with? Uh, Was it? I don't know. God, I'd have to look at some of their scores. I thought they were they were putting up big numbers early on in the year against some of the better teams, um, running our offense basically. But I could be wrong on that. I've I you know football has been so weird this year with COVID and. Nobody in the stands, or very few people in the stands. That... I mean, you've been at a couple games. It's 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 surreal when you. Yeah, I was at the the Cabana game, like the Cabana with uh, not Cabana. I'm sorry, the Black and Gold Club, um, during the Tulane game, and you're just like standing there looking at the other side of the stadium, and it looks dead. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, and the the last game against Temple, it got so boring. You know, there's nobody in the stands that are really talking around you, or and you're just trying to focus on the game, but the game's not going anywhere. The offense isn't doing much. So, you know, it's not the same fan experience that we've come to know over the last, I don't know, six, seven years. Um, But it is still college football. It is something. It's something that we can go to and attend and and be a part of. So I'm looking forward to doing that again tomorrow against we've got a really big game against Cincinnati. Number Um, seven in the nation. And I, I went to that game last year. I went, I traveled to Cincinnati. They've got a great stadium. They've got great fans. Yeah. I went to Tipper uh, 2017. Yeah, so you know. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, but, it's an awesome stadium. But they, they beat us last year in a close game, and they were total pricks about it. I mean, we almost got in fights coming out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. They were throwing it in our face. And for, for six months, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till we play them at home next year. And now... We don't have the crowd advantage, you know. They, we are the underdogs in this game, though. We haven't been the underdogs since it's, LSU. It's been. I've heard both ways. I mean, I've seen ESPN metrics give us a sixty percent chance of win. Now, whether that makes us true underdogs or, or not, I mean, I guess the Vegas odds. Vegas are over. is where I go. Yeah, I mean, so that makes perfect sense. And um, I know that we're the pick'em, so you know, the, the, there's a lot of stuff that could ride in our favor. I think this will be a really good test of just true, um, football talent. Right. Because going into this game, you know, like you said, there's no crowd advantage. It's just strength versus strength, player to player, you know, who's got the better football team. And, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I thought we had the better football team. Now, mm-hmm. Cincinnati's been playing amazing. They're yeah. dominating everybody they're playing. Um, I think we have a better quarterback. I think we have a better running back room. 
I think we have a, I think we I think Marlon Williams as a pure you know as our number one is better than any of their number ones. Their defense is scary though. They've got a really good defense. I mean, they're holding teams to like less than thirteen points a game. Right. And that's what hurt us last year too, mm-hmm. is we couldn't get past their defense. We had opportunities. But exactly. We had a young Dylan Gabriel, a freshman who played very yeah. well on the road for yeah. what he could do. Right. Um, and also, just to correct myself, you're right. I mean, Ole Miss actually just looking at their schedule, putting up some points. I mean, they lost a, a good Auburn team. They lost to Arkansas early on, but I think we were actually like at the bar watching that game actually. Yeah. Felipe Franks, but I mean, the last couple games over 50 points. So right. I was wrong about Ole they Miss. They have no defense though. No. Yeah. <laughs> so. No. When you look at this game, it's like 54 to 28, 59 to 42. Yeah. It's like borderline Big 12 stuff. Yeah. So. And they run a lot of our stuff. It's they funny do. To yeah. Watch yeah. Them. They, I mean, our- Levy took basically Frost playbook, put his own stamp on it, and and also had the, those elements from Art Bryles from Baylor which right. is where he learned a lot of his stuff from. So he has good elements of both offenses, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And you know what we haven't mentioned tonight? We're actually drinking beer, but we didn't open it when the... Oh, we didn't. You're right. When the uh, show started, but uh, I can't even say this word, so I'll let Buzos take it over. Vine Stefana. <laughs> it's the oldest brewery on the planet. Established in 1040 AD, which I, I was telling you this. I'm, I'm actually really excited because the 1000th anniversary of this brewery is going to occur in our lifetime in 20 years. So wow. I'll be there for that. I'm going to be 50 years old, but I'm going to be drunk as hell at this brewery at 50 years old. Because it'll be really cool to go to like a place. Imagine going to a brewery that's 1,000 years old. And celebrate with them. And celebrate with yeah, the Germans. Yeah, that, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. It's going to be pretty awesome. But excellent beer. I mean, most people have probably at least seen the bottle. Mm-hmm. And then we got this lovely uh, Delirium Tremens sitting over here waiting for us to open up. <laughs> yeah, we'll with like, a, I think it's like got almost 8% alcohol. You look at that. 8.5. It's on the back. Yeah. So we're going to get drunk. Well, good deal. All right. So, what you know, what are the keys to, to beating Cincinnati this, this week? What do we need to do in order to keep it close or to, to get a win here? Contain the quarterback. Okay. They do a really good job using um, – oh, I can't remember his name right now. Um, they're young uh, – is isn't he number nine? Um, Ripper? Rip it. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to Google yeah, this. But, but they do a really good job running the quarterback as part of their running offense. He's very athletic. I mean, I would say he's not the best passing quarterback we've seen this year. So I'm not necessarily scared of what they can do over the top, especially since our secondary is starting to really pick up pace and actually play pretty well. But containing him when he breaks the pocket, you know, they have a lot of designed runs, much like we do with our quarterback. Like we like to run the quarterback as well. Um, but I think containing him is going to be the number one key to making sure that we don't fall behind. And if we do fall behind, I, I, I think we could catch up. The question, the question is just can, if we can keep them to 28, I think we win. Okay. If, if we let him get out of the pocket and make and wear down our defense and tire them out and they start scoring into the 30s and creep up, like, and they scored multiple games over 40, if we let their offense get going, I don't think we can... I think we can. Ca- I think we can get ahead of them, and I think we can definitely keep pace. But that's what dis- that's what concerns me the most. So Desmond Ritter. Was Desmond there. Ritter. So Ritter. Really I knew it started with an R. Yeah. Um, what? How? How many points do you think we can put up against their defense? They're I mean, they average thirteen per game. I think realistically, we can probably do between thirty-one to thirty-four. I yeah. think would be realistic. You know, I would love to say we can put up fifty-four on them, but. I Last think if, year we put up like what twenty six or something. It, yeah, we were we were held under thirty. It was one of the it's one of the only two games that we've played because there's only been two, and like the last like forty plus that we haven't scored at thirty or more. We had that massive you know record going for forever, and I think we dropped that to 
wasn't was it it wasn't Pittsburgh. I think we scored over thirty when we lost to Pittsburgh. That was like thirty four yeah. thirty one. Yeah. Um but Cincinnati was one of the two teams that we didn't score thirty or more on right. last year. So I think it's definitely um it's definitely possible that we can get over thirty. I mean, Gabriel looks like he should be a Heisman candidate without a shadow of a doubt. Like he is not turning the ball over. He's accurate. Obviously throws a beautiful deep ball. Our wide receiver is, room is one of the best in the nation, in my opinion. Jalen Robinson is an amazing deep threat. Marlon Williams, to me, is the most B.A. receiver in the nation. That dude is like a linebacker playing wide receiver. He's not afraid to make you feel pain. Did you see that awesome catch he had against Temple where he like broke like six tackles? Yeah. Goes like 70 yards. I mean, he's an amazing receiver. He's going to break all the records in a single season for receiving for us. We got one of the best running back rooms in the country as well. Greg McRae is starting to look like 2018 Greg McRae when he ran for a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Otis Anderson is the, like to me the perfect offensive weapon and being able to complement the, the the passing game, the run game. Um, Ventavious Thompson, I'm a big fan. I've said this many times. Um, so and, and I mean, uh, who uh, who's the other one? Good kid out of Lake Brantley. Cam Good. Cam Good. Oh no, no, uh, Cam that's uh, a defensive tackle. Yeah. Um, Oh God, I know who you're talking about though. Yeah, number twenty-two. DT. It's Demarius Good. Or Demarius, something like yeah. That. yeah. And so he looks great too. Like we, we have great skill position players. Our offensive line is starting to click. I know at the very beginning of the year we were very, very critical of false starts. I don't want to talk about that. That's going to hurt my yeah. feelings. <laughs> uh, it was bad. It was so bad We've for been so good long. Since, though. But we have been. Our offensive yeah. line starts. To, you know, huge props to Greg Ellerby in getting that offensive line back together after a, an atrocious start. He's done a really good job. Matt Lee took so much crap on social media and I was very critical of him too. After talking with Jordan Johnson, that interview about how he's going to be a beast and he looks like a beast. Mm -hmm. He's playing great at center. You can't move him. He does not get pushed back. You know, he's also, you know, a young kid, so he's got a lot of football ahead of him, but the offense is starting to look great. And I think we can put up some good points in this game. So this is probably going to be coach Josh Heupel's biggest game you know, that he would be able to win. I guess LSU would have been his biggest game had we won it, but this this is going to be a huge game. They're number seven in the country. You know, they beat us last year. What what can Josh Heupel do to, to make this a signature win for UCF and a top 10 win for UCF? I mean, what can he do? Well, I mean, what, what, he's had, I feel like he's had problems in the past with... Not sealing the deal. Right, and just... You know, some of the calls are quite, I don't want to question the coach because he does what he does, but, you know, can he throw a new wrinkle in or something that is yeah, not the I, same I know what you're play saying. over and over again? Where I get it. Like his, his offense sometimes feels very, very redundant. Mm-hmm. Like I, you can almost call out what he's going to do. Right. But in his defense, and I'll say this as a former coach, the coach for, you know, 15 years of my life, sometimes redundancy is demoralizing. When you know it's going to come and you can't stop it, to me that's worse than not knowing what's coming at all. Like if I know that you're going to line up ahead and you point at that hole and you're like, I'm coming through this gap, right? And there's nothing you can do to stop me. Yeah, that's it's just like what are you going to? It's, it's I'm fine with that. Yeah. When we're winning and doing that, that's fine. I'm talking about when we're not winning. Yeah, no, I, and, and I get it. He, and it's the same plays that they've stopped over and over and over again. Does he have a new wrinkle? Does he have a trick play? Does he have? Yeah, we haven't seen anything like that so far no, this year. It's all been the same. And then we've kind of lost our vertical threat with uh, with Trey Nixon. Now is Trey Nixon going to be back for this game? That's there's a good been, question. There's, there's been, been rumors. The last two weeks, you know, whether he's going to come back when I think at the beginning of the year, we were afraid he was not going to play at all for the rest of the year. Right. So that's a good question. 
Um, Do you put pads on Mackenzie Milton? I think you just put them on him and then just to mess with the other team. I would. You know? I mean, like, why not? I mean, if if you were to if you're Cincinnati and you go out and you're like lining up to do your pregame stuff and you see Mackenzie warming up, throwing the ball, you're probably like, wait, what? Yeah. So I've I called this weeks ago, but I truly think that if KZ is going to play this year, it's going to be at USF. I would. I mean, to me, I mean, it's a senior night tonight. I mean, tomorrow night. So makes sense that he maybe gets a start on senior night, but I could. Sorry, my dog is just being an idiot. Um, I could definitely see him walking out against USF, which would be totally full circle. He gets hurt at USF two years ago, mm-hmm. starts at so yeah. But I agree with you 100. percent That I, would be a good way to screw with him. If, yeah, if I'm Josh Heupel, I put in Mackenzie Milton the first play of the game, hand it off to Otis mm-hmm. Anderson or something. But the crowd will go nuts. I mean, there's not a big crowd there, but oh, my, it would sound like it was right. game day again. You get some advantage, some momentum. You get the crowd behind you. I'm I not going to lie. I'll be so angry. <laughs> I'm not going to be at the game tomorrow. I'm going with Steven, who co-hosted the first couple episodes of this season with me. Um, we're going with uh, his girlfriend to drink around the world. And so we will not be at Cincinnati, unfortunately. If if, if Mackenzie, Mackenzie Moan comes back <laughs> and I am not there, I'm going to be so angry. I mean, happy birthday to Christy. We have we, we absolutely love her and we'll have a great time. But I'll be so mad if we miss that. Um, no, but I, I this could be the biggest win in Heupel's career. This is this would be the stamp of a lot of people have been calling for his head this season, frustrated with the fact that realistically, since Frost left after an undefeated season, you see a decline. Obviously, the numbers are you, you go from losing one game, obviously the pivotal LSU game after another great undefeated regular season, then you have three losses last year. And you have these two losses this year. Yeah. It, it, it's a clear decline. Like number, that's just what statistics show. Mm-hmm. Are people valid in saying that we should fire Hypel? I think that's an overreach at this point. I mean, the dude's only lost five games, six mm-hmm. games. I'm sorry, over three years. That's amazing for any coach, especially a first-time head coach. But this could be the stamp that he needs to put us back on the map. It, it'll obviously push us back in the top twenty-five. I mean, I was a very big, you know. I don't want Cincinnati to be the first group of five school to go to the playoff. I'm so conflicted on that too. Cause it's one of those things like it would do, it would do so much for the group of five schools and the stigma and all of that. But I want to be first. Yeah. Well, That's, here's the deal is they're not going anyway. You know, I don't even think has ESPN put out their rankings yet. Good question. I don't know. I don't think they have. I haven't really followed it that so it's much. It's just in the AP rankings. So it's no matter where Cincinnati is, even if they keep winning, no matter where BYU is, even if they keep winning, they're going to get... And BYU we, looks good. They do. But we've already been through this. You're going to get set back as soon as the ESPN puts their stamp on it. Instead of being ranked 7 and 8 in the country, you're going to go to 10, 11 in the country. And there's not going to be enough time to get back in the top four. And that it's just the way that this league works. And until, I mean, we've got to keep pounding on the door, obviously, but I don't think that even with all the stuff that's going on, I don't think this is the year unless they have a lot of help from guys in front of them. And, and, and the, the, it was almost the year. If, if the big 10 didn't come back and play football, if the PAC 12 would have stuck out, it could have been the year. Then maybe you got a shot. Yeah. But I, I just can't even see, even with the big 12, not having a, someone in the mix. I just still don't see them allowing a school like Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, any school like that getting in the top four. Yeah. They're going to let you get closer this year, but they're not going to put you in yet. Probably not. So I'm, you know, 
I don't care. I don't care if they were ranked number one in the country right now. I want to go kick their ass tomorrow night. Oh, so, amen. Yeah. So it, and people have said to me like, well, don't you, you know, this is the good fight. Don't you want Cincinnati to go? Like, Hell no. I don't want Cincinnati to do anything. I'm UCF through and through. I want to kill every team in front of us. Amen. So, I'm with you. Yeah. I am. I'm with you on that. Um, so speaking of all this wonderful UCF stuff, can talk a little bit about some great UCF stuff for us personally. Absolutely. So um, earlier this year, I don't know if we ever made mention of it on the show, but like myself and Todd, we both worked for the same company before whose company name I will not name because I'm very mad at them right now. <laughs> um, but I had the opportunity to leave that company and help start a new company called 3MG Roofing. And Todd was kind enough to join me because I brought him over with me at the old company and he wanted to work, continue working with me. And so we started a new company and we just announced this past weekend um, for the Temple game that we are, as 3MG Roofing, the official roofer of the UCF Knights. Hey! Which is super, that's like a super proud moment. Like when I when I saw that like logo for the first time, which Todd was at the game, he took photos in front of the banner. So now our company has... You know, uh, banners above all the tunnels, some field signs. I don't know if you saw the photo yet. I but did we see had, a photo of a field sign. It looks really good. And uh, we're going to have our logo on the backdrop of the press conferences. We'll be in the UCF um, basketball arena yeah. on the court side. So 3 really good Roofing stuff. is now the official roofer of UCF. So yes. And uh, they've got, you know, some of the biggest fans who actually work for the company. So This is very true. I mean, we have our own podcast completely dedicated to this. Right. So huge. Pro- I mean... Just very, very proud of our team over at 3MG Roofing that made it possible. Um, our ownership group worked tirelessly to try to make that happen. So um, one of our um, owners, Kyle Matheny, was in talks to do this and Danny Gay. Um, so huge shout out to them. And so they've been talking about it for a little while with the athletic director, Danny White. And so the story, which is hysterical about this, is Todd goes to the Houston game. And go ahead, Todd. Just describe what happened I, at the Houston game. Do, so, you even, do you even remember what happened yeah, at that yeah, Houston yeah. game? So I was drinking quite a few beers. I didn't think that I had anything to do with this, but well, I did yell at Danny. You had everything to do with I it. I was in the first row, and I yelled at Danny, you know, that Kyle Matheny is, is my boss and make us a sponsor of UCF football. And he seemed so excited that we were there. We were going crazy in the front row that it, it sparked him to start up talks again with, with our company, and the deal got done, and now – you know, the rest, I give history. you full credit. So <laughs> we're I love our ownership group, but I'm giving Todd full credit. If it wasn't for Todd, this wouldn't have had, I'm kidding, obviously, <laughs> but Todd drunkenly going after the AD, like you need to make us a sponsor. It's still like my favorite story. Cause Todd, I mean, Kyle called me like the next day and was like, so your boy Todd was drunkenly screaming at Danny white. And I got a phone call the next day from Danny white talking about my employees. Nice. So very funny story. Thought that was great. Um, so speaking of obviously, us being a roofing company, we're going to bring on our guest who just so happens to be working for a roofing supply company. So we're going to get a little bit of insight into, you know, what he does now and everything like that. But we're really excited to have Michael Kubiali on the show. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. We're about, I think Todd already finished his first beer. I'm almost done with mine. Oh, if you, if, just so you have like preference on the show, we always like start the show with a beer, talk a little bit <laughs> about beer. You know, since it's three night bender, a lot I'm of alcohol in. is consumed. I'm so, oh, perfect. So, every, we're good. What are, what are you drinking tonight? Actually, you know, it sounds kind of lame, but uh, my girlfriend, my actually now fiance, put me on these Bud Light Seltzer Christmas edition. I don't know. I just tried one out for the first time. It's kind of, it's kind of maybe want to blur that part out. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're we're going to replace that. A, I'm drinking a Bush Light. There we go. There we go. That's the manly choice we're looking for. So, um, First question that everyone I'm sure always likes to ask, 
how does it feel being part of the evolution of football, moving from you know leather helmets to plastic, uh, being able to be part of the evolution of the forward pass, and obviously playing with you know UCF football greats like Dante Culpepper all the way to Mackenzie Milton. You played football for forever. It feels like you know. What, what, you know, be, being that you got to play six years at UCF, you know, what was that like for you? I mean, that's a long time you know, to play, do anything, really. Yeah, I mean, going from Don Jonas to uh, Josh <laughs> Heifel was, was quite the transition. I mean, we were in a high-paced offense back then, but uh, my last season with Heifel really, you know, evolutionized our, our offense in the game itself. But, no, nah, just, uh, you know, it was, it was a ride for sure, but um just being a part of that 2013 season being around all those good players and i mean i was fortunate enough to be there for six years i mean it was it was a honestly it was a dream come true to be able to be a part of those winning seasons and just to be a part of ucf history as a whole no that's really awesome so michael you were a part of the team for six years and i'm not even completely sure of why that occurred. Can you explain for, for me and, and our listening audience, uh, you know, why were you able to participate for UCF for six years? It's honest with you. I had no idea <laughs> that, that six year, like I was, you know, after that last season with uh, coach Frost and the peach bowl, I was, um, you know, I was moving on in my life. I was looking for, for a job. I didn't really think I had a shot in the NFL. So I, um, didn't do pro day. I didn't train for pro day. So I was kind of, you know, on my ass a little bit looking for, <laughs> looking for a job, but I got hurt back in the 20, I think it was 2015 season when we didn't win a game mm-hmm. going into that summer. I, uh, tore my labrum and my shoulder and they're in seven on seven over the summer. And, uh, I had a medical red shirt, I guess there's a new rule that came out and said, Hey, like if you miss a season due to injury, um, previous to your other red shirt seasons you'll get that year back so i got a text from a trainer um he's like hey man this might sound crazy enough but we might be able to get you back for this year and it was like you know like i think it was april like right after the spring game and i was you know just sitting there like okay well let's do it <laughs> wow <laughs> so, that's awesome yeah so, yeah, so uh reached out to mckenzie wyatt miller um they kind of went and talked to hype because i mean they didn't they, they, they knew who i was but they didn't really know much about me but hypo was like let's do it like we're 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 100 in like here's here's your scholarship back uh let's get to work i was actually working out that same day wow so, that's um, freaking cool it was, it was cool i was a little under the radar for a little bit until i got cleared by the ncaa officially but uh it was i mean it was it was awesome could you imagine if that was this year and uh you know, none of the, nothing counts this year. So you could actually get another year. You would actually be paying seven years if you oh, wanted to. Yeah. You know, yeah, like this, yeah. Jacob Paris is actually in that boat right now. He's got a Michael Redshirt. Yeah, He's insane. on a six year and he might be able to get one more. Really? That's insane. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that about Harris. No, I did because, you know, from, from he had medical and then obviously transferring and everything like that. Like, oh, wow. That's awesome. So, wow. I mean, just thinking about that, I mean, a, it was unknowing, but you were in the three biggest games in UCF history playing in the Fiesta Bowl in 2013. We're not playing in the Fiesta, but I know you grew a part of that team. Cause I remember yeah. reading that you were like on like offensive scout player of the year. Um, so you got to be around that first Fiesta Bowl, being a part of the Peach Bowl, and then being a part of the second Fiesta Bowl team. I mean, that's pretty legendary. And being part of the perfect season. That, as well as being a part of the unperfect season. <laughs> yeah, the unperfect season. Yeah, I was part of all. I was, the I was, hills and I valleys of UCF. So yeah, I've seen it all. You're a local guy. You played over um, at 
what was my rival high school when I was in high school. Oh, I played for FPC and you played for Spruce Creek. So mm-hmm. what appealed to you, obviously, other than just, you know, the fact that it was such a short distance from Port Orange to actually go to UCF? What was that recruitment process like? You know, obviously very different back then with George O'Leary. So what like really sparked you to want to go to UCF of all places? Well, to be honest with you, like out of high school, I was really not recruited that, that highly. Um, um, I had two preferred walk-on positions at Division One schools, and they were to UCF and, and to you know the team out west, USF. And uh, <laughs> I I thought I thought about it long and hard and uh, decided to go over to Orlando. But no, my dad my dad went to uh, UCF. He played at UCF. I've always known UCF football, but I didn't really follow it all that well. Um, I I, I kind of went in there blind, thinking that you know UCF was just a mid conference USA team I had no idea that it would become this uh this giant it is today but uh, I was very blessed obviously I wanted to play at the highest level so I turned down some uh like division two scholarship offers to 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 come to UCF and I'm you know I'm very happy I did (laughs) oh we're very happy you did too and you were a huge part of the offense in 2017 2018 I feel like you must have had like 600 touchdowns. I mean, <laughs> what's what's the reality? How many touchdowns did you score at UCF? Do you know that number? Not not 600. I guess. Yeah, yeah, I know. It felt like <laughs> it though. <laughs> I I mean, I I think I had one my 2017 and and four 2018. So not I was I wasn't a big. Uh, so, I could have had another one in 2017 if I didn't fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were an all-star out there. I mean, you were a name that everybody knew. I got many kisses from my current wife now every time you would score or catch a big, you know, catch a big catch. I don't think they used the tight end as much as they did when you were here. But, uh, you know, we definitely miss you. And uh, you, you were one of the highlight players of this, this fantastic run we've had. Yeah. Uh, so we're very honored to have you on today. So with that said, I mean, being that you got to play on so many great teams, you were in a skill room that had names like Traquan Smith, Gabe Davis, J.J. Wharton, Rashad Perryman, you know, Reese, Hall. The list goes on. You know, what was it like to play with that kind of talent? Um, you know, were there any players that you like it, it, within that room and with, you know, within the tight end room that you like really got to like bond pretty well with? You know, do you have any what are some like fun stories or stuff you can talk about with? you know, that experience and playing with such great talent, many of them went on to play at the next level. No, I mean, it was, it was great just being, being able to be a part of that room. I mean, coach Becton was, you know, the glue of that room. And then you get JJ involved, Bashad, Speedy, Reese, um, Godfrey, even it was, yeah, Godfrey. It was, I mean, it was special. I mean, those guys were, I mean, I wouldn't have that first summer. And that seven on seven team would have been, you know, in my opinion, the best, seven on seven team in the country with Blake Bortles and all those guys. But I mean, I learned a lot from them. Uh, it was, it was insane watching them and one-on-ones versus the DBs. Uh, I think you can take their cutups and put them against any team in the country. And, and, and <clears throat> we were just, you know, that good that year. And I don't think anyone had any idea. It, I, I thought it'd be great to see that talent, like all that, all those receivers and coach Frost or, coach Heupel's offense that would have been you know something to see but oh yeah I, I would definitely say that up to that point though that team was slightly handicapped offensively you know being with such an archaic 
style up till about 2012, 2013, when George O'Leary started like actually opening it up and spreading it out a little bit. He was such well, obviously you had Kevin Smith for so long, so there's that too. But yeah. Awesome, man. I mean, and so with that said, you already mentioned him. You got to catch some balls, you know, at the school for Blake Bortles. You got to catch balls from Mackenzie Milton, obviously Justin Holm in between. Um, you know, what was it like? Those are two of the biggest quarterbacks in UCF history. What was that experience like? You know, what, what what's the difference in their leadership quality and how they approach the game? You know, what could you tell us a little bit inside-wise um, between those two players? Because obviously they're like folk legends here at UCF. We adore them. I mean, I would, when Blake Bortles was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars, I lost my ever-loving mind. I'm a diehard Jags fan. And unfortunately, it didn't pan out the way I wanted. But, you know, super cool that you got to actually be like, you know, on a team with both of them. You know, it's, you know, Blake, I was, I mean, it was, that was, you know, that was back in black and white picture, but, um, <laughs> Blake, no, Blake was, Blake was an awesome dude. I mean, obviously a great, great player. I mean, I'm obviously a Jags fan too. And, uh, nice, Duval. Go, yeah, seeing him, seeing him go to, to the Jags is awesome, but, um, they're both, you know, great players. They, they kind of have different skill levels. Um, when, when McKenzie came in his freshman year, during that freshman year camp, uh, he was, we called him little Manziel. I mean, he literally was like a spitting image of Johnny Manziel. And, um, <laughs> it was crazy. Cause we, I mean, we love Justin Holman and everything. And, but McKenzie was just putting on a show that camp I and mean, they're both great players. They both could have, you know, won us, won us some games, but, uh, you know, McKenzie panned out and he's, he's literally like probably the, biggest UCF legend there will, yeah. will be for a while now. What but, were their uh, what were their leadership skills like? Were they were they loud, you know, were they or I mean, Blake Bortles is kind of known as being laid back and you know, you've seen interviews with him where he's he's pretty funny and he but he doesn't seem like he's a in your face kind of leader and I don't know if McKenzie is either. Is, do they have different leadership skills? The, honestly, they're probably pretty, very similar. They're very laid back people. Um Mackenzie's, I mean, everyone looks up to him as a, as a leader. I mean, still do, even on the sidelines, not really playing. But um, I would say they're very similar in, in their leadership qualities. But, I mean, they both got us conference championships. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're doing something right. Absolutely. And New Year Six Bowl wins. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Cannot complain about that. Um, no, no. So, I mean, you obviously uh, didn't pan out to go really – beyond UCF when it terms of just playing football, but, you know, tell us a little bit what you got going on now. You know, what are you doing with your life? I kind of already like spoiled it a little bit saying that you work for a roofing supply company, but you know, how do you like what you do? What do you do? Can you tell anybody like just an update on what's going on in the life of you? Yeah. So actually I did, I played, I had a sign as an undrafted free agent to the Jags for, um, the whole training camp. And I got hurt during training camp and was trying to get back into, to that level for a little bit now, but uh, I think it was until January of la- this past January, I kind of decided to move on and I started working for a construction company. I was doing project managing and then I got into the sales side of it. So I'm, yeah, working for Beacon Roofing Products. It's over in the Central Florida area and, you know, I'm liking it so far. I'm, the transition is a little, you know, a little rough, but not a little rough, but a little different, obviously, coming from playing football and everything but it's going well so far glad to have it i mean i i remember getting a text message from um sean obviously ucf props as a lot of people know him and you know in ucf lore and he was kind of like 
hey, I, you know, I'm I'm friends with Mike and he's working for this company. I'm giving is it okay if I give him your phone number? And I was like, absolutely. What? <laughs> what what is going on? So that was just like a pleasant surprise to get a text from you and really just be able to talk business. But obviously, very excited that we even got to talk about a little bit about UCF football with you and. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate you taking some time tonight just to talk a little bit and reminisce about some stuff. Oh, I got, actually, I got one more question for you just because I like to ask this almost every single player, but you were among so many great moments in UCF football history from the 2013 season, some big plays in the 2014 season, the undefeated. Is there a, any particular player moment that you were a part of in UCF football that like just stands out to you as like a, holy cow, that was like my favorite thing to either be there for or witness in person? Uh, you know, I think nothing really tops, in my opinion, the the war on I four when Mike Hughes returned that that kickoff return. <laughs> oh back man, in, what was it twenty seventeen? Yeah. Yep. I mean, I was I was on actually on that unit, and I didn't touch a soul. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow I tried. I, I think I just tried to catch Mike in the end zone or run into the end zone. But I mean, he was very special player. I'm I still to this day don't know why they kicked it off to him. But I'm glad they did. Oh, yeah. That was probably the hands down most, you know, electric atmosphere um, moment in my in my career. Awesome. That's a good one. That's I'm, a great. I'm gonna one. have to go back and watch you and uh, evaluate you <laughs> something on YouTube. Hey, watch me hurdle that kicker when I, when I <laughs> try to tackle him. That's me. I almost got him. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming aboard, doing a nice little interview with us. Glad to hear you're doing well. Um, and hopefully we can get you back on the show. We like to try to bring back some of the older. I've been trying to get Stephen Moffat to sit down and talk football with us again. He was with us last year, former UCF quarterback. He can just be a pain in the butt sometimes to get a hold of. Like I was trying to call him today for work. Didn't want to pick up his phone. So we'll try to get him on soon. But, yeah, we'd love to have you back if you'd be happy to join us sometime soon. Sounds good, guys. Anytime. All right. So, again, that was Michael Kubiale joining Three Night Bender. Awesome guy. That was It's fun to hear when you get to talk to people like that. Like, Mac Laudermilk had that, like, long history with UCF and – it's cool to like, you know, be able to touch base on so many like different like periods of UCF history. Yeah. And I've never talked to some of these guys. I watch them constantly, you know, I'm big fans of them, mm-hmm. but I never hear them really speak other than maybe in a post game interview. So it, it's kind of cool to t- talk to them as, you know, just a regular, yeah. a regular guy, not even playing football anymore, but just talking about his experience there. So it's a cool experience. Were, were you at the bar with me when we ran into um, Matt Wright, Matty Ice? Uh, I was not, no. You weren't? Okay. So that happened when uh, I think maybe you and Sevy had already left to go to the game. But I was just sitting at the bar, and I think this was before the Tulane game. And Matthew Wright came up and was just, like, talking to us. And, like, uh, he, he was talking to me. At Car- he was talking to Carson. I think he's friendly with Carson. Right. Um, there was two different UCF Jackies there. And so he was just kind of shooting the, the stuff with us. And really funny guy. Like, yeah, I, I was trying to pick his brain, and I was like, can you please come on and talk? And he couldn't because of um, – you know what he does for a living like he didn't he, he works like legally and, and some stuff and right um i think i think he works for a, like a, a an attorney's office or something like that and gotcha. he unfortunately couldn't come to a podcast um but was an awesome guy very very nice uh thoroughly enjoyed having some good conversation with him he was hysterical though like some of the stories he was telling me at the bar were hilarious yeah. so really that, that would have been a fun one to have on for sure we'll get some other ones yeah i'll, I'll, I'll Definitely, definitely. <laughs> of course, we're going to get some other ones. All right. Well, hey, let's talk about some other stuff for Orlando. Um, Magic had a big week this week. They had their NBA draft. They were a number eight seed this year in the playoffs, so they weren't you know, in contention for getting a really high pick. They came in at number 15, but picked up a good one, which uh, 
I will let Booz tell you about Cole Anthony. Yeah, Cole Anthony. Um, so played for North Carolina, played point guard. And when he was going into his freshman year, he was like one and done player like a lot of them are these days, was actually projected like preseason of last basketball season to be a top three overall pick in the NBA. So people were really excited about his talent when he was going to be able to do it in North Carolina. He's kind of a scoring point guard, so he's very, um, same, I think, of Steph Curry-esque in that sense, that he can put up, or, or, or Damian, uh, Damian Lillard. Like, he can score a lot of points, and um, I think he could definitely, whether we keep him at point guard or maybe move him more to shooting because of his scoring ability, we need help at guard. So I think it was an excellent pick. Many people were lauding it as a steal at the draft. Um but I think he fell from the top three because he got injured. He tore his meniscus. He missed quite a few games last season. Just wasn't like the showing that everyone was hoping for. But extremely talented, 6'3", moves very well, has good vision of the court. So pretty excited to see him join our team. Um, and then obviously, um, what we I didn't realize that we hadn't done, but we just signed our 2019 first-round pick, um, Kuma Okiki. Is he the guy out of Auburn? The Auburn player, yep, the forward. Okay. So having him signed up is awesome. I mean, he didn't play at all last year from a knee injury that he was still recovering from. But that gives us, I mean, we already have like the most depth at power forward of all time, <laughs> or not just power, but like power and small yeah. between him, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon. Like, yeah, it, it, it almost, I feel like him joining and if he can play the way he could, like he did at Auburn and the potential he had, it does kind of make an Aaron Gordon expendable. There's been a lot of talk every offseason about trading him. Right. Like every year, Aaron Gordon's on the trade block. I don't know if we'll ever will, but. You know, it does make it interesting to see if maybe we package a deal to get him somewhere else and bring in some other pieces in to assist us. But we definitely need scoring. That's been our our bane, shooting the ball. I mean, we're, we're decent from three. We can drive to the freaking basket over and over and over. But it just seems like, you know, scoring that, that mid-range game has been the bane of Orlando's existence for a little while now. Well, I mean, we, we'll see what happens. They... they They've proven the last couple of years that they can get into the playoffs, but we haven't been able to progress out of that yet. But I do like their players. I like going to the games again. The Magic are getting fun again. They're out of that little slump that they've been in since mm-hmm. Howard's been gone. So they're exciting again. Hopefully this will add to that uh, to that puzzle. So we wish the Magic the best, and we'll get into that season soon enough. Have, have you kept up on Orlando City at all? I, have you seen any of their stuff? I did see a game. This year. A-, a game i saw a home game with the covid situation i went with uh the gaf rep mm-hmm. who uh you're you know but um it was a great time we won i think we won the game no we they tied us right at the end i hate soccer because of the ties you know <laughs> i have to be honest i but. mean they're they're 11 8 and 4 they have actually just like looking at the standings it's pretty interesting orlando point wise has more points than anybody in the western conference the Eastern Conference is stacked. They're number four in the East, but they would be number one in the West right now, which is crazy. But we are in the West? No, we're in the East. I was going to say. Yeah, no, like just saying that they're, they're better than all the teams on gotcha, the West Coast. Gotcha, okay. Um, but they're behind Philadelphia, Toronto, and Columbus right now, points-wise. And we're tied with Columbus, so we're only... Not only. We're six points behind the leader. So are we in the playoffs? I mean, how is this We're working? currently slotted that we would be, yes. Okay. So having a really good season by, you know... Everyone expected uh, Orlando City to come out the gates and be like one of the top MLS teams, and obviously that didn't happen. So it's really nice to start seeing this like come together and start to really like you know the glue is starting to harden, and we're and we're becoming a pretty great soccer city. So pretty excited for that. Well, that's good news. Very good news. Um, you know, it's been a, actually Florida's had a pretty good year with professional sports. It's you got been an excellent the year. The Lightning one, the Rays mm-hmm. went deep. I mean. 
Tampa Bay may be good. We'll see what Tom Brady can do. But what the are they? They're, like, they're like six or four or seven and three, something like that. They're they're having a good season. Yeah, the Heat, you know, made it to the finals and mm-hmm. and got really close there. The Magic made the playoffs. Uh, the Jags probably suck still. <laughs> I don't really. Wow, know. <laughs> wow, you're gonna go there. That's that's just straight up hurtful, man. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the Florida the J- Jacksonville is currently fighting for the number one overall pick. Like we need to root for them to continue to lose. <laughs> if they win a game, I'll be pissed. Yeah. At like this point, you tank for Trevor, baby. Trevor you get that. You get Trevor Lawrence, who, as you saw, like I didn't. I mean, this is irrelevant. We're, we're now we're jumping from college, from from NBA back to college football. But when Trevor Lawrence missing that game, Notre Dame beats Clemson. That was pretty big a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and they dropped all the way to four. Oh <laughs> my god. Like they're never going to get back in the playoffs. Yeah. That that shows you just what the system is. Like, right. oh, you didn't have your quarterback. We're going to keep it so you can still get in there. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's hope we get Trevor Lawrence. That'd be game changing. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. Let's do some some Thanksgiving Day fun here, mm. since that's coming up next Thursday. Um, we've got a uh, a thing here. We've got our top three. What is this dishes or what is this? Just, just like Thanksgiving, like the hot list. Like to you, when it comes to Thanksgiving in general. Yeah. It can be food. Whatever it might be, like, what are your three Thanksgiving Day musts? Like, Ooh. on that Thursday, what are three things that if they don't happen in Todd Hauser's life, there's a problem. I feel like because I've done this every day since, or every Thanksgiving since I was, since I can remember, I've watched football. So I feel okay, like good answer. Football has to happen on that day. The Detroit Lions, the Dallas Cowboys, and mm-hmm. then they've got another game now too. So, mm-hmm. so three games. I got to at least catch one of them on Thanksgiving. I think that's fair. Okay. Um, I was that was that was gonna be my number one is football. Oh, is Thanksgiving okay. and football go hand in hand. Yeah, I, I think anyway. Yeah, I mean even playing in the yard with your family. Now I know that probably won't be the case this year with a lot of people not really gathering for <laughs> Thanksgiving, but. We've uh, we've always had kind of family football games mm-hmm. in the street or whatever, so I'm gonna miss that this year. But um, I mean, if I'm naming other things that are on my list, the, mm-hmm. the food's got to be there. But I don't like traditional Thanksgiving food. Thank it's you. It's not my thing. I think last year we had this conversation where I was like a huge proponent of go away from the traditional food. Right. Like I'm okay, and I told this to my wife because we're gonna be seeing her family on a Saturday. And her, and it, at first it was like the idea of like, they're going to come over, we'll do another Thanksgiving dinner. And I dread that. Like we, you want to have a Thanksgiving pizza or let's get some barbecue yep. or let's just do something different. Cause to me, Thanksgiving is all about like, obviously like having family together and giving thanks. It doesn't need to be Turkey. Turkey is the most overrated Thanksgiving day food. And I will stand on that hill till I die. Yes, I agree. There's ways to serve turkey that it's a little better. I don't like the whole turkey, carve it up and give mm-hmm. it to people in any way that you make it. I'll do a smoked turkey breast or something like that when you slice it. But, but we're, um, we're thinking about doing it fried this year. I've never done a fried, fried turkey. Fried's good. Is it? it? It's good. Okay. But again, it's it's turkey. So, you know, you There's gotta, only so much you can you gotta get cover turkey. it in gravy and mashed potatoes and then it's then it's a meal, but you're gonna fall asleep. My big one is mac and cheese. I mean I can deal with that every single day of my life, but I have to have macaroni and cheese on, on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I have to. All I make right. a mean homemade mac and cheese. I know you have your like your your mac and cheese cauliflower thing, yeah, which I hear is legendary. I still haven't tried it yet. Not that I want to. <laughs> Not that it's not good, but cauliflower freaks me out. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't eat it unless I was trying to lose weight. But, <laughs> um, I guess I'll, let me give one more here. My my uh, step father in law. My yeah, I think it's my stepfather in law makes a awesome uh, stuffing. And I don't oh. think he doesn't stuff it in the turkey, 
but it's full of meat and butter and it's not it's unlike any other stuffing that I've ever had. It's tons of sausage and the breading and it's I just eat plates of it. So So wait, if it's not in the turkey, can you call it stuffing? I mean, it's the I think the bread part of it comes from a stuffing box, so I don't know. Oh, okay, that's fair. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, but whatever it is, I, I do eat that. You know, the other thing is you got to have when you have split families and and divorces and all that kind of stuff, you have like five Thanksgivings Mm -hmm. and you get so sick of eating turkey over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that if somebody serves something different, it's like such a great thing. So that'll be my my last one there. What about you? Specifically, French silk pie. And that, Ooh, that, uh, yeah, man. fancy. Now I'm going to go away from the traditional like pumpkin pie route, which everyone's like, oh, pumpkin pie, apple pie. I don't like fruit or vegetables. I, I mean, you've, you've been around me when I eat, I'm a meat and potatoes guy. Mm-hmm. I just, I, that's, I'm, I, I, I did not go part of this evolution of humanity to eat rabbit food. So I want, and so, I mean, not that French silk pie is meat or anything, but I, I just love, I'm, I'm a sweet guy. So I want <laughs> yeah. me a nice big piece of chocolate pie. So good. Well, now that's what I'm having this weekend. This is next week. French silk pie is gonna be yeah, on my next plate. Thursday. So now you got me thinking about second dinner here. So mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm, when we leave this podcast, I think I'm gonna get some Taco Bell on the way home. There you go. Fifth so. meal, baby. Well, fourth <laughs> meal. Fourth meal and fifth meal. It can be both. Well, that's gonna do it for another episode of Three Night Bender. Thanks for listening. We had an awesome show today. Thanks to Michael Kalubiali for coming on and and talking shop with us. And uh, hopefully, you guys are having a good. Friendsgiving week this week and a good Thanksgiving mm-hmm. next week. Big Cincinnati game tomorrow. Make sure you tune in or get to the game. Um, you know, and, and cheer on your nights for that. It's going to be a great game. Let's. Uh, our, what are our other little sign-off things we got to do here? We got to do our shout-outs. We're going to do a shout-out. Shout out to, to 3MG Roofing for Absolutely. being the official sponsor of the UCF Knights. I'm going to say that for like the fifth time in this episode because I'm super proud of that. But yeah, feel free to jump on social media. My wife is our social media manager on Instagram. It's at Three Night Bender. So is our Twitter account at three night bender, but she does a great job with the stories and putting on constant news about UCF and Orlando magic and everything Orlando. So make sure you hop up there. Give us a follow on Instagram on Twitter. You can go to our Facebook page. It gives links of all the ways you can listen to our podcast. I mean, obviously if you're listening to it, you found a way to listen to it, but you can hear it on iTunes, Google music, Spotify, SoundCloud. So those are all the different avenues to listen to us. But again, thank you for joining us this episode and have a great week. All right.